Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to move quickly today. Matthew 13. And if it's your first time here, thanks so much for joining us. We're really honored that you would join us here in the middle of summer. You know, I, I was telling first service, I'll be glad when, or first service, I'll be glad when summer gets here and this heat goes away, won't you? I mean, it's this crazy, 106 they're saying today. But I'm glad that you're in church joining us. I want to begin a series today that's going to cover the next two weeks. Just a short series. I was putting this message together and I realized that there was just too much to do in one service. So we're going to take two weeks to cover this. But I want to talk to you about faith for every season. Faith for every season. We're going to read from four different passages of Scripture today. If you don't have your Bible, it's okay. We'll have the verses on the screen that we're going to be reading together. But in this series, the next two weeks, I want us to stop and, and start thinking about life in the big picture and then life in the phases of life, the seasons of life. What if, what if we could view life and all of its challenges as God does? What if we could look down on life and understand everything that's going on, understand every pathway to know where it's headed, what the end's going to be? What if we had that knowledge and that understanding that God has? Well, if we did, and of course we don't, but if we can view life as God does, it would probably eliminate a lot of things. Things like confusion, discouragement, even fear. A lot of things would be different if we could just sit down and know the end from the beginning as God does, but we can't. If we could do that, we wouldn't need faith. God's given us faith because there are things in life we don't understand, things in life we don't know where this road is going to end. They're in the middle of the process, we don't know how all the, the, the potholes are going to turn out. And in life, sometimes in the middle of our deepest challenges... What God wants us to do is lean on our faith, to learn to trust him. And I want to talk about this thought today because God has given us some kingdom principles to navigate life and to navigate faith. He's given us things in his word that are principles. They're laws that we can understand and live by, and it makes sense of everything. So let's dive into God's word, Matthew 13. Look at verse number 31. Jesus says another, par or it says another parable Jesus put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Four main thoughts I want to give you today. Number one, I want to talk a few minutes about the principle of the mustard seed. It's a kingdom principle. And here's what Jesus said. He said, if you look at the mustard seed, it's the smallest of all seeds. I don't have a mustard seed with me today, but I've seen mustard seeds. They're tiny, tiny little seeds. Jesus in his day said it's the smallest of the seeds that we know, but though it's the smallest, once it is sown and it grows up, it produces not just a little plant, not just a bush, it actually can produce a tree big enough that birds can come and build their nests there in that tree. In Jesus' day in that part of the world, there was one strain of mustard 
plant that would grow, that would become 10 or 15 feet tall, and the birds of the air could come actually build nests there. And Jesus used this for an example, but here's what he said. He said, this is how the kingdom of God works. Look at the mustard seed. So I think there's some lessons that we need to know about this mustard seed. First thing is, the mustard seed is tiny, and when God begins to work in our lives, it usually begins with tiny little things. There's a verse of Scripture in the Old Testament that says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Why? Because God usually starts in small ways, and most people have no idea what God's up to until all of a sudden one day there's this beautiful big thing, this big explosion that happens in the Spirit, and God produces something, and people back up and say, wow, where'd that come from? It came from a tiny little seed beginning. And we need to understand when God begins to work in our lives, oftentimes, most of the time, I believe, it starts with a tiny little seed, but it becomes great. But you notice, as God works in our lives, usually, when God works in my life, it starts very small. God gives me a promise. God speaks something into my heart. He gives me a direction to pursue. And it, to me, it seems big, but to most people, they back up and look at it and say, well, that's nothing. It's just a tiny little seed. But there's a process that follows the planting of that seed. The seed is tiny, and oftentimes the process can be really slow, but the end of it is amazing. And you know what usually seems to happen in life, when we start talking about God and his kingdom, we always get focused on the things that God can do for us externally and the things that God can give to us externally. We get so wrapped up in, oh, God, I need this, and oh, God, I need that, and you know, we run to God when we're in trouble, and then we kind of forget about him being there. And the fact of the matter is, while we are focusing on the kingdom of God and the things it can bring around us, God is usually focused on the things he's trying to develop within us. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. And what we have to understand about God's workings, it starts with small things, it, there is a process, and at the end of that process, there's this big thing. But most of us are in a hurry to get to the end of the process because all we can think about is the blessing that's going to come our way. And if we live that way, it's easy to get confused about the process and what God's trying to do in us. You know, God's response to our faith, when we believe God, when we accept his promise, oftentimes God's response to us is a process. Not just a process for us, but a process in us. As much of what God does in our lives is a process. Number two, look at Genesis chapter 8. I'm laying the foundation today, and we're going to get into some of the weight of this message, but next week we're going to really wind it up and show you how this all works. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. This is after the great flood. Mankind has been destroyed. Only Noah and his family are alive. God's about to start over, and God's giving some instructions and giving information to Noah and to us through his word. Here's what he says in Genesis 8, verse 22. One verse, read it with me. While the earth remains, 
seed time and harvest, cold and heat. How many of you didn't know that today was prophesied several thousand years ago? Cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Now, we talked, number one, about the principle of the mustard seed. Number two, I want to talk about the kingdom principle of seed time and harvest. As you look at this verse, and I want to walk through it one more time, so if you would, leave it on the screen for me. While the earth remains, how many of you know the earth still remains? While the earth remains, there is seed time and harvest. Now, to illustrate this, I want, to, I want you to imagine this speaker right here, that's seed time. That's where we're going to plant the seed. We're going to believe God and receive his word. God starts a process in us. That's seed time. And over here is harvest, okay? This is where the harvest comes in. This is where we reap the benefits of what God's promised. So over here we have seed time. Over here we have harvest, Here's what God said, as long as the earth stands, there'll be seed time and harvest. It is a natural law. If you plant seed, it produces after its kind. There is a seed time when it's planted, it will grow up and it will produce a harvest. But he also said there'll be cold and heat, there'll be winter and summer. What was God saying? God was saying there will be seasons naturally but there'll also be seasons spiritually. It's not like to, today is seed time and tomorrow is harvest. Sometimes it happens that way. We all know about seed time and we all know about harvest. Now, I would dare say that very few people in this room grew up in, on a farm. Now, we may have a few, not very many. I would dare say that many of you have never planted a garden. That's okay. But still, in school, in growing up in life, we learn about seed time and harvest. But very few of us know much about what comes between seed time and harvest. We know that seed gets put in the ground. We know it grows up and produces a harvest. But many of us have no idea what comes between seed time and harvest. One of the reasons why we struggle in faith is because we know about seed time, we know about harvest, but we don't understand that usually there's a process between the two. And if you get in the process and you have no idea what's going on, it's easy to get confused, it's easy to get discouraged, it's easy to become fearful, and it's easy to give up on your harvest. God said, as long as the earth remains, these laws are in place. I believe that God has given me an assignment today and next week to help people understand about the process between seed time and harvest. Because too many people are giving up on their faith. Too many people don't hold on until harvest time. Now, look at Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, number 1, 
There's the kingdom principle of the mustard seed. Number two, there's the kingdom principle of seed time and harvest. But number three, let's look at Galatians chapter six. Because number three, you and I absolutely have a role to play in God fulfilling his plan in our lives. Turn to somebody and say, say I have a role to play. Teenagers, high school students, turn around and look at somebody and say, I have a role to play. There you go. Boy, the heat's taking its toll on these kids, isn't it? Now, look at Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. Now, now pause here a minute. Why would God give us those words? Do not be deceived. He's writing to church people. Do not be deceived. Why would he write those words? Because even God's people can be deceived about things. We can get confused and not know what's right. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. And what it literally means when it says mocked, it means to make faces at somebody like, eh, eh, right, right, eh, eh, eh. That's what it means. Don't be deceived. God is not, don't make faces at God. Don't take lightly what God is saying to us. So be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, seed time, that he will reap, harvest time. So in the Old Testament, way back near the beginning, God established this kingdom principle of seed time and harvest. Way down the road, hundreds, literally thousands of years later, Paul reinitiates this thing as a spiritual principle. And he said, you need to understand that what you sow, you're going to reap. So do not be deceived. Don't let anybody tell you differently. God has a process and his word is going to work. Now, verse 8, here's what he says next. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. What he's saying is you, you can sow your life. You can sow what you have into temporary things, and those temporary things are going to pass. But you can also sow your life and your provision into eternal things, and those things are going to live on and on and on forever. Okay? Second half of the verse. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So if we sow our lives and we sow the provision of our lives and what we have, our time, our, our energy, the other things that God's put in our hand, if we sow that into God's kingdom, we can reap benefits that last not just for this life, but throughout eternity. This is why I'm so adamant about telling parents, you need to sow your life into God's kingdom because your children are watching you and they're going to follow in your footsteps. This is why we have to understand where we sow our lives, we're going to reap from that, short-term or eternally. Now, in the next verse, verse 9, I love this verse. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. We shall reap when? In due season. When is this going to happen? In God's time. God has a time. In Ecclesiastes, it says there's a time for everything, a time to sow and a time to reap. What we have to be mindful of is between the sowing and the reaping, I want to be diligent in my faith no matter the season, no matter what's going on, because if God said it, God's going to do it, so I'm going to stand in faith until it comes to pass. 
because God said it works that way. He said it works that way. Now, let me give you, out of these verses, just three things real quickly. The first is, I need to recognize, I mean, I have to recognize that God has principles and God has processes. That's why he said, don't be deceived and don't, don't mock God. Don't laugh at God. He has principles. He has promises. He has these processes. So he says, don't mock it. Don't laugh at it. Take it to heart. Apply it to your life and learn from it. Trust God. The second thing is I need to choose my seed wisely. Young people, be careful where you invest your life. It's seed for your future. What you're doing today is putting you on a road for tomorrow. Who you run with today is determining your path for tomorrow. The choices you make right now are shaping you for the future. It's not, well, when I get to be 25, I'll start figuring this thing out. No, you need to start figuring it out now. Why? Because you're sowing seeds for your life. And the younger and the sooner you understand this principle, and the sooner you start sowing good seeds, the sooner you start reaping good harvests. If you don't believe that, ask mom and dad. Now, mom and dad, you don't need to give them all the dirty details, but tell them, yes, that's true. We made some mistakes along the way. Oh, you holy ones of Temecula and Murrieta. I need to choose my seed wisely because I can spend my life on things that are short-term and cool, but in the long term, they produce nothing except death. Therefore, I want to invest my life in what's going to last forever. God's kingdom. And and then the the third thing here, I must embrace God's process. I must embrace this process. Well, everybody wants to embrace the sowing, or at least most of us. Some people don't even want to turn loose of their seed. But most of us, we embrace the sowing because we know there's a harvest coming. We embrace this over here, and we want to embrace this over here and get all this blessing. But a lot of us don't want to embrace the process of what goes from there to there in the middle. And there is a process. There is time involved. And what he says in verse number 9, put verse 9 on the screen one more time. We just read it. What he said in verse number nine is, let us not grow weary while doing good. Don't grow weary while you're in the process. Because in due season, we shall reap what? If. Everybody say if. If we faint not. Which means if I faint and give up and say it ain't going to happen, I'm going to walk away from it, it all dies in the ground. Well, I don't know about that. Well, look at the natural process. You walk away from seed in the ground, it's going to die. You don't take care of it. You don't water it. You don't pull the weeds. It's going to die. Let me talk about this for a minute. How many give me three minutes to to wander here? Okay. The Bible says if two or three agree, it shall be done. I already had two or three agreements here. So I'm going to wander for a couple minutes. Many years ago, I was living in another state, and I was traveling in ministry at the time, and I bought this house. And the people I bought it from, it was springtime, they just planted this beautiful, amazing garden, big garden, had all kinds of stuff growing in the garden. And I thought, wow, that's cool, man. A few more weeks and I'll be reaping the stuff out of that garden. And I took off traveling preaching, was gone three or four weeks, came home about a month later, looked at that garden, and it was absolutely gone. The weeds were growing up way above the plants. The plants were choked off. Everything was dead and dry. It had not been watered. It It was done. It was burned up. And I thought, wow, well, I, I lost that garden. Well, if you don't take care of a garden, it dies. That, that's just life. 
If you don't water things and pull the weeds, they get choked up and things die. And what he said here is, don't be weary in well-doing. Don't be weary with the process because in due season, in God's time, you will reap if you don't give up. So what I have to do is take it to heart that I am not going to give up because I have a role to play in God fulfilling his plan for my life. We don't just fall into it. God leads us into it one step at a time. And if we don't keep walking with God and keep tending that garden, things can get really tough along the way. We have a role to play. But once I've committed to faith, once I commit to put that seed in the ground, I need to commit myself to the process. That's where my faith is going to work in that process. The fourth thing, look at James chapter 1. This is the last passage we're going to read together. But James chapter 1. Number four, my faith is going to be challenged in the process. Between there and there, between the seed going in the ground and the harvest coming into my life, in this process, my faith is going to be challenged. Everybody look right here. Your faith will be challenged. Oh, it's not bad news. It's good news. Your faith will be challenged. It's okay. We have an enemy who wants to destroy what God's trying to do in our lives. And once he sees us put the seed in the ground and start walking this direction, he's going to try to interfere with this process. Now look at James chapter 1, verse number 2. I'm going to move quickly. My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Count it all joy when your faith is challenged. When the enemy jumps in your faith and says, your face and says, Do you really believe that? Yeah. Do you believe God's gonna do that? Yeah. You mean he's gonna take that little bit of nothing and make that out of it? Do you really believe that? Yes. When he gets in your face, he's going to want to know what do you really believe. What's the last thing you're going to turn loose of? If he grabs your plot of land and shakes it, what's the last thing you're going to turn loose of? It needs to be your faith. And we have to learn how to stand up to the challenges that are going to come to our faith. He said, count it all joy. The first thing we need to do is we need to remain positive about the process. He says, count it all joy. Remain positive. Well, how can I remain positive? Don't look where you are. Look at where you're going. Don't look at the weeds that are popping up that you've got to pull out. Don't look at the dry ground and say, uh-oh, it's getting dry. Look ahead and realize God says, you planted the seed, the harvest is coming. Just keep walking with God and believe him. Be joyful. Be positive in this process. The process is not a bad thing. The process is a good thing, so you need to embrace it. I need to embrace it. Seven people in this building right now need to give me a bobblehead or an amen, one of the two. We need to embrace the process. Let's keep reading. Verse 3 says, knowing that the, tre- the testing of your faith produces patience. Verse 4, but let patience have its perfect or complete work that you may be complete, perfect, lacking nothing. God's process between the sowing and the reaping, God's process 
is going to require patience, and it's also going to develop patience. One of the things that God is always doing in our lives between the sowing and the reaping, he's trying to develop patience in us. Now, in American society today, patience doesn't work very well because I can throw that baked potato in the microwave and have it in a few minutes. I can throw my cold coffee in there and have it in 41 seconds because that's what I do at home. 40, turn to somebody and say 41. 41 seconds, my, hot, my cold coffee is now warm the way I like it. I can get online, I can send an email, and it can go halfway around the world in just a matter of seconds. If I need something, I can get on my computer, and Amazon will have it at my door tomorrow. That's the world we live in. But with God, what is it? It's sowing, and then it's the process, and then it's reaping. A lot of us are conditioned to think, well, if God doesn't do it in 24 hours, it wasn't his will. Well, I guess God's not going to do what he said. When was the last time God didn't do what he said? It's when you gave up on it and walked away from that field. This is good. This is good, okay? I'm going I'm I'm to preach this again next week. It's so good. God's process demands my patience, and it also develops more patience in me while I'm going through this. It's a godly virtue that I need to learn. God's not bothered with time. He's not bound by time. And I need to come to the place where I'm not bound by time. I'm not bothered by time. I am in the press process. I'm believing God. I am pulling out the weeds. I'm doing everything I can to take care of this crop because harvest time is coming. Seed time and then harvest time. It's coming. And I will not give up on what God has started. Now, let's read on a little bit more. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, here's the last part of this point. The problem with the process is sometimes it's confusing. How many really godly Christians raise your hand with me and say, there have been some times in my life when I didn't understand what was going on? Okay, all right. You say, well, why are you doing that? Because I want everybody to know there are going to be times in life where we say, God, I don't understand. Do you know how many times I talk to people and they say, man, I just don't understand. I don't understand. I don't, you know, there are a lot of things in life I don't understand. I had somebody call me this week and, and Share this big problem and say, I don't understand. You know what I told him? I don't either. <laughs> but God will give us wisdom. Now, listen closely. Paul said, when you're confused and you don't understand. Now, everybody, you've got to hear this. When you're confused and you don't understand, ask God to give you wisdom. Because God wants to give you wisdom. He will not withhold it from you. He wants to pour wisdom into your life. But then he goes on and says this. But if you ask God for wisdom, you have to ask in faith. How many of you know it's hard to ask in faith when you're confused? 
Well, God, I don't even know what to do. I'm not going to ask in faith. He says, ask in faith for wisdom. What does that mean? That means when I ask God for wisdom, as soon as God speaks to me, I have to be willing to do what God tells me to do. This is wisdom for your situation. Now, since I'm in this group, let me stay here a minute. Wisdom is not just to have something here or have something here. Wisdom is the path, the direction you take from where you are moving forward. I need wisdom not so I can know something. I need wisdom so I can do something. Faith is a verb. So he says, ask in faith. Okay, God, you show me what to do, and I will take the wisdom, and I will do the wisdom. I will work the wisdom. That's what he's literally saying here. That's why he said, if you ask God for wisdom, but you're not going to do it, God's probably going to say, hey, you know, since me telling you, you're not going to listen to me anyway. He says, don't let that man think he'll receive anything from God because he's unstable in all of his ways. That's, what, that's, what, that's what's written right here. So what do I have to do? God, I don't understand. Please show me what I need to do. Do you know what God's going to tell you to do most of the time when you're in the process? He's going to tell you, stay in the process. Start pulling weeds. I hate to pull weeds. Gardening is not my thing. I hate to pull weeds. Zach hates to pull weeds worse than me. I don't know where he's at. He's running. But he, he hates to pull weeds worse than I do. But if you're going to reap a harvest, you've got to learn how to pull weeds. Somebody's calling me right now, and it's coming through on my iPad. Look at that. Probably the devil. He's just trying to interfere the process. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, the devil's cell phone is a 714 number. Okay. I don't know the number, but it's 714. Now, usually God says, stay in the process. I should have answered it and really embarrassed him. Is this the devil? I know, yeah, I know the voice of the devil when I hear it. Now, let me show you this. If I pursue a course of faith, seed time, looking for harvest, there are going to be some challenges. There going to be some weeds to pull. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul told Timothy, Timothy, you've got to fight the good fight of faith. You've got to fight the good fight of faith. My dad, I talk about my dad now and then because he and I were best friends. He really put a lot in my life in my life, a lot of common sense, wisdom. My dad was raised on a farm in northeast Oklahoma with, I think there were 13 kids. Um, grew up very poor during the Depression. It was tough years. Grew up on the farm. He loved it so much that when he got out of the military, he never went back to the farm, okay? So he didn't want to be a farmer. But when my dad got older and retired, it's kind of like he was reaching back to his childhood and remembering those good old days. And my dad, after he retired, you know, he worked six and seven days a week all my life. When he finally retired, he started planting all kinds of stuff around his yard. I'd go over to his house to visit me. He'd say, come here, boy, I want to show you something. He always called me a boy. Come here, boy. We'd go up, and I am a boy, by the way. Come on, boy. We'd go up back, and he'd say, look at that right there. And I'd look, and there's something growing. He said, you know what that is? I'd say, what? I don't know. 
Yeah, come on now. Surely you know what that is. I said, Dad, I don't. Oh, come on. You know better than that. What is it? Well, I don't know. I mean, that's turnip greens. Don't you know turnip greens when you see them? I'm like, no, I don't. I know what they taste like, but I don't know what they look like. Sorry. Wasn't raised around that. And he was all the time growing something. I go to his house. Hey, look at this. I want to show you what I'm growing. Started all these growing projects. One day I went to his house and living in Corona on a very busy street. Went to his house. He said, come here, boy. I'll show you something. Takes me out in the front yard. And he had this wooden fence about this tall. And it was wood posts with wood slats running. Two wood slats running across it all the way around his yard. And there's all these planters that are outlined by brick with grass around it. Every one of those planters, he said, come here, look at this. Look at these planters. Look at this. Look at that. You see that? I said, well, I see something growing. What is that, boy? You know what that is? I said, no, no. Oh, come on. You know what that is. No, Dad, I don't know. What is it? That's cotton. <laughs> My dad's 80 years old at the time. Dad, why are you growing cotton in your front yard? He said, because now, I picked cotton when I was a kid. Don't everyone pick cotton again, but I picked cotton when I was a kid. I'm like, these kids going to school, they don't even know what cotton is. So these kids come by every morning and every afternoon going to school, junior high, high school kids. I'm standing out there showing them, you know what this is? This is cotton. And sure enough, I'm there one day and these kids are going by, hey, come here, come here. You know what this is? That's cotton. And the kids are like, no, cotton doesn't grow on bushes. And dad's, oh, yeah, it is. I'm telling you, that's cotton. Well, what? Don't you know what that is? That's cotton. One day I went to his house. And, you know, for a while he had these birds, and he was, had all this bird seed he was feeding him. And he'd, he'd spill some of it, and he'd wash it down out in the street and so forth with his water hose. I'll go over one day, and in the sidewalk, there's cracks in the sidewalk. You know how, how that happens in time. There's something growing out of the cracks in my dad's sidewalk. It's about this tall. I said, Dad, what's going on with your sidewalk? You want some, you know, some ortho or something to kill those th weeds? Oh, no, that's not weeds. I said, what is that? Don't you know what that is? Oh, come on. You know, Dad, I don't have any idea. He said, well, I was feeding my birds and I had some corn seed and some of those kernels of corn got stuck. That's corn stalks growing up in my sidewalk. And I said, Dad, the city's not going to like that. He said, oh, I don't, I'm not afraid of the city. They can come down and say what they want to say. I'm going to teach these kids. They don't even know where corn comes from. I'm going to show them. And so a couple of months later, I come over, and he's got corn stalks this tall in, in the side, growing out of the sidewalk. Me stopping the kids saying, you know what this is? This is corn right here. Well, that's corn? Yeah, it's corn growing on these. And sure enough, he had ears of corn growing on those stalks because he understood there was seed time. There was a process and there was a harvest. He wouldn't let me cut those things down. He'd run me out of there and say, no, no, you leave it alone. If anything was threatening them, he was protecting his crop. If you're going to have a harvest, you're going to have to learn how to pull some weeds. And when somebody comes along and says it's not going to happen, you just pull that weed, throw it aside. You go back to what God said and said, nope, that's the seed I put in the ground. It's going to multiply after its kind. This is what God said would happen. I'm going to keep walking with God and keep trusting God. When doubt comes along, you yank it out of the ground and you go back to God's promise. When confusion goes, comes along, you go to God and you say, God, what do I do with this thing? And he will probably say, stay in the process and keep pulling those weeds because harvest time is coming. Now... 
I mentioned a few minutes ago, Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Sometimes you have to fight for your future. You got seed in the ground. It started the, pro the process has started. God said it's going to happen. You can't see it yet, but you're walking toward it. There are going to be times when you got to fight, when the enemy is going to come along and he's going to want to know, what do you really believe? And he'll throw every circumstance possible your way trying to get you to give up on that crop. But what's the promise of God? We shall reap in due season if we faint not. Paul said, Timothy, you've got to learn to fight the good fight of faith. Paul came down to the end of his life in 2 Timothy, and he wrote, and he said, Timothy, I fought the good fight. I finished my course. My life is done. I've reaped my harvest. It's time for me to go on and be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. But you've got to fight your fight of faith. And in closing, there's a story in 2 Samuel 23, and I'm going to set it up and finish real quickly, so stay with me. I'm not going to read it all, but in 2 Samuel 23, much of the chapter is written about these guys who were followers of King David. They'd followed him since the early days. They were, Scripture called them a bunch of losers, really. They were, some of them were rebellious, some of them were in poverty, some of them were, had all kinds of bondages and situations, but they started following King David, and by following his teaching and following his lead, they began to do great exploits and do things that were actually impossible for people to do, and they were called David's mighty men. I mean, one of them was even called the son of Dodo. How many know if your dad's name's Dodo, it's going to be a rough life for you? It's like being a boy named Sue, you know? So, in this list of David's mighty men, these guys killed giants. Some of them killed several giants. Some of them fought battles until their hand was stuck to their sword and killed hundreds and thousands of the enemy. There's this one guy named Shammah. It says in, in 2 Samuel 23 that Shammah one day got word that the Philistines were coming in like a flood. There was hundreds and thousands of them coming. And everybody in his family, everybody around him, they took off running because they were terrified that the Philistines were coming. But it says that Shammah went out in the middle of this field, this bean field. Evidently, it must have been his bean field. And he went out in the middle of this bean field and he took his stand and he said, I'm not going to give up. I've got seed in the ground. The crop is growing. I'm not giving up. I've had seed time. Harvest is on its way. This is my crop and the devil, the enemy cannot have my crop. And scripture says this in 2 Samuel 23, 12. But Shammah stationed himself. Notice the words. He stationed himself in the middle of the field and he defended it and he killed all of the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Let me tell you something. What you've planted in faith God's going to send to you as a harvest in a mighty, mighty, mighty big way. But God wants you to know if you will stand in faith and if you will fight the fight of faith and say no to the enemy and say, this is my bean patch, I'm not walking away from it, that God will give you a great victory over the enemy. It's just like David fighting Goliath. In the natural, there's no way. But with God on your side, you can defeat hundreds and thousands of the enemy. There's a thousand reasons to give up today. There's one reason to stand firm. It's because God said, you've sown the seed. I'll see to it that you reap the harvest.
I'm going to finish this message next week, but there are those of you in the house right now. Some of you are weary. Hey, it's human nature. Some of you are confused. It's okay. Some of you are discouraged. That's okay. But this is not the time to give up. It's the time to pull the weeds and stand in faith and let God be God. God's not finished yet. He's going to have the last word. I want to pray for everybody in the house today. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray for everybody here who's in the process. Everybody here who's in the process, you've got seed in the ground. You're waiting for the harvest. And I've talked to you today and it's been clear what God's saying to you. Just raise your hand, put it right back down. Say, I'm in the process. I'm believing for the harvest. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name for a holy determination to rise up in the hearts of your people. People have invested their lives as seed. And now they're facing the encounter of the enemy. And today, Father, you're telling us don't give up for in due season, in due season, in due season, we will reap if we don't give up. Father, we don't know how far it is to due season, but it doesn't matter because your word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's always true. God, I pray right now that you encourage those who are standing in faith, those who are in the process, you will encourage them today to not give up, to keep pulling the weeds. doesn't matter where it's coming from, family, friends, people around us, natural conditions. We will not be moved by the lies of the enemy. We will only stand and believe God's word today. God, encourage your people. Encourage your people. Jesus name now I'm gonna ask everybody in the house while your heads are bowed and eyes are closed just lift your hands for a moment and just begin to praise God praise God father we thank you today that we're in the process we've already been past seed time we're waiting on you we're gonna be diligent to pull weeds and fight for our territory we're gonna fight for our bean patch we're gonna fight for what's rightfully ours because you've never failed us God we trust you we believe you today one more prayer while heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed maybe you're here today and you came to church and maybe you're not in relationship with God maybe you've never opened your heart and allowed Jesus to become the Lord of your life maybe that's you but maybe as you've listened to this today you thought man I wish God was on my side I, I wish I had something to believe for for my future this life and the world to come while you've listened to this, something inside's kind of been jumping because you realize, wow, there's more to life than what I thought. There's more to this thing about God. Can I tell you, it's not about religious ideas and forms of religion. It's about being in relationship with the God who loves you so much. He gave his own son on a cross to die for your sins, to pay the price that you could come into his family. Today, God is offering you a better life and life eternal in the world to come. All he's asking you to do is receive him, follow him, start walking with him. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer that will just help you open your heart, help you say, God, I want you and I need you in my life. So I'm going to ask everybody in the room, young and old alike, no matter who you are, where you came from, if your faith is in Jesus or you want to put your faith in Jesus, I'm going to ask everybody here, Repeat this prayer after me. There's nothing magical about my words. It's just you wrapping your faith around these words and 
letting them become your words and your faith. I want to ask everybody to repeat this prayer right out loud. Say these words. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He died for my sins, was raised from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I ask you to become the God of my life. I lay everything at your feet. I want to learn your ways. I want to follow you. I want to receive your blessings now and forever. From this moment on, you are my father. I am your child because of Jesus. Amen.